you're in for a real treat today. In fact, I want to invite my guests to go ahead and come on up. We're in the last week of our message series called Hashtag Hope. And rather than just me sharing with you some stuff from God's Word, although I'm going to do that, I want to tell you, I want you to hear a story from a couple that's been in our church for the last three years or so, uh, Avis and Corey Halpin. Um, they're going to be sharing with you a bit of their story, a story of how God never forgot them, but on occasion they thought he had, a story of incredible difficulty, and yet in the middle of it, God was working his plan, and he's not done. As a way of getting you kind of oriented for that, I want to take you to a unique place in the Bible before I sit down and join them. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 tells an interesting snippet in the life of Jesus and his followers. Jesus had just told them some very important stuff. He had a conversation with Simon, or his other name is Peter. And then he looks at Peter and says these words, just on the screen. Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to, to sift all of you as wheat. He wanted to sift you. Now this refers to the way they processed wheat. There would be a bundle of wheat and tear together, and they would take a winnowing fork, stick it in the pile, and throw it up in the air. Because the wheat germ was heavy, it would fall back to the earth, but the, the, the tear, the, 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 the parts of the plant that you weren't supposed to eat, the wind would carry it away. And so they would sift this wheat this way. And the good stuff would fall, and the bad stuff would fall, you know, get, get blown away. And Jesus says to Simon that Satan wants to put you through a sifting process. And then he says, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Now this is one verse in the life of Simon Peter, a major player in the New Testament. But this story has has unfolded in your life, in my life, in the lives of people around us. We have an enemy of our soul. We don't like to talk about him too much and give him too much attention, but he's there. And whatever good things God wants to do in your life, this guy has another agenda for you that's completely opposite. And he wants, his whole agenda is to kill, steal, and destroy. And yet, like with Simon Peter, when Jesus prayed for him, we have a heavenly father who loves us. We have a relationship through his son, Jesus. We have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us so that our faith doesn't fail. So no matter where you are today, whatever you're going through, God is here. He's available. And he hasn't forgotten you. And that's incredible news in and of itself. But not just that. God actually wants to redeem your story. He wants to bring good out of your story. For you, of course, but also for those around you. God wants to use the junk that you've experienced to help other people. Every one of our small group leaders this summer, they're making an investment in other people, many of them out of a place of brokenness, out of a place where God has taken tough stuff and now is using it for good. And that's exactly what's going on with, with Corey and Avis. So, guys, welcome to our stage. Thank I'm so you. glad you're here. Um, we're not going to take a lot of time like taking you back to where you were born and all that good stuff. I want to kind of jump right in to the part of your story that begins with where you, uh, you found Jesus. Okay. All right? So mm -hmm. catch us up a little bit. Tell us what that was like. Okay. Um, well, I guess growing up, um, my family went to church probably when I was real little, but not a lot. And so I can remember thinking about Jesus when we went to church. I can remember that far back and thinking, you know, that's really cool. And he seemed really cool. 
but we didn't go a lot, and we moved a lot. Um, so we had moved to the Cincinnati area when I was in about junior high, and uh, a friend invited me to go to church with them, and uh, I really liked it a lot. Had a great youth group and all that good stuff. And um, I came to know Jesus there, and, uh, and he became my Lord and Savior, and uh, went on a retreat one time, and they had, a, had called you if you wanted to get baptized to come on up, and I did that, and that was really cool. And I remember all I wanted for my birthday that year was a Bible. My mom thought I was nuts, and she's like, are you sure? I said, yeah, that's all I want. That's all I want is a Bible. So that was really cool, too. So my life was really good then, although at home, it was kind of rough. My dad drank a lot, and uh, life was kind of tough there at home. So. so so, when you committed your life to Jesus, you got baptized, you got a Bible, started getting into it, Amos, did you have the thought at all that because your life was with Christ now, everything was going to be perfect? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, that's normal. And you have this emotional, spiritual transformation that you go through, and we're all excited, and we're ready to run, but you had real life to face. You yeah. Had, you had some real challenges with alcohol at home. Yeah. Talk us through kind of the next phase of, of your life. Well, everything was good for a while, and I was really enjoying all that youth group stuff, and that was kind of my getaway from my house. Um, to, but then we had to move again. So in that move, I didn't find a new church. I didn't find a new church family. Um, the friends I did find were um, getting into a lot of trouble, you know, and got involved with drugs and alcohol, and, and that kind of led to some really bad stuff. But uh, So I got through all that and uh, craziness, but that's where I met Corey, so that was good. And um, Corey was a bright spot in a relatively dark time of your life. Yeah, we were kind of, we didn't realize... Oh, you're smiling off a bit here. You're not going to say anything at all, are you? We didn't realize it then, but, but our lives were very similar. Okay. And so we connected probably on a reason somewhat that, but I do feel it was very God, too, looking back on it, because of after getting to know each other, really after we got married, then reflecting back on what, you know, we're now telling our dark secrets, and it's like, wow, you too? So that was kind of weird how God brought us together at that point. Yeah. So... Yeah, so um, you, you found each other. Yes. And now, so you have God, you have a significant relationship, everything's great. No, well, I got pregnant in high school. I got married when I was a junior in high school. I, I just want to stop for a second, because, you know, <laughs> I know Avis, and um, she, we've been in a small group. It's, it's phenomenal. I love, love my small group. And I look at her now, and she's an incredible person of faith. You're going you're gonna to hear just how God has taken this ugly stuff and made it wonderful. And when I hear her say that there was drugs, alcohol, and you were in 11th grade yeah. when you got pregnant. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't match the picture I know of her. <laughs> and um, what, what I want to say about that is, is not to embarrass her or anything, but what you're seeing is exactly what the Bible talks about, that when God gets involved in our life and we stay with him, he makes us new creations. The Bible says it this way, the old has gone, the new has come. And that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That when, when God gets involved in our life, he takes the sins of our past, and he takes the sins of our future, and he washes those away. And he wants to work his good purpose. But you didn't see that in no. some of this, did you? No, I didn't. When, when we left the church, I didn't understand why God would set me up to, to meet him. But then kind of I felt like he forgot about me. 
because we moved away and I didn't find the church and I didn't find the friends that I had back then and I kind of just fell into to whatever would come along. So it was like, well, God must just not have cared about me. This was my mindset and kind of, if God doesn't care about me, I don't really care about me. Nothing's really going my way. So well, that's not going to go to a good place. Is it? Right. If God doesn't care about me. I don't right. care about me. And you allowed yourself to do things that you probably never thought you would do. Right. So, so now I'm, you know, we got married and uh, went through high school. My senior year, married. That was fun. Um, but anyway, when our son was born, I went into the hospital and uh, my dad came in and he told me that he wouldn't be coming to visit me anymore because back then you stayed a couple days. Um, but he was just going to come in and see the baby and me and he wanted to let me know that he was putting himself in the hospital, that he had been trying to stop drinking and he couldn't do it on his own and he was going to need help. So, now, Amos, this is a big deal. I know a little bit about the backstory here, but so your dad has his own journey with his alcoholism and how that impacted him, but it impacted the family. And now yeah. you've begun your own family, and some of the things in your past have begun to sicken you. And you decided, in a very tangible way, you were you were to do your best to not bring any of that stuff into your future. Yeah. So while he's experiencing this, you kind of came to your own conclusions, didn't you? Talk yeah. about that a minute. Well, I never threatened my dad. My dad did not quit drinking because I threatened him. I begged him for many years to quit drinking, and um, and he just denied that he had a problem. Um, I prayed constantly that my dad would quit drinking and I'd actually wake up in the morning thinking okay well my prayer is probably going to be answered today and my dad has probably stopped drinking and that wouldn't you know that didn't happen that was you know just didn't it didn't happen that way so when my dad came in that day to tell me that he had quit drink he was going to quit drinking and put himself in the hospital I was just dumbfounded because here I am on the most in my life that was the most important day in my life I was having my child who I had made up my mind was not going to be a part of my father's life. Like I said, I didn't threat him, threaten him with that. I didn't tell him of that at all. That was just my intention was... Because you didn't want that drug. No. I was now had my own family and I was going to move on and do my best to keep my family away from that because I just did not want that to be what was going on in my family. And I had made decisions to clean my life up because my life was out of control and I had made changes in my life to say, no, that, that's no more, and so we you were know, moving on. It, it's, an it, it's incredibly powerful when a person says to themselves, I'm done with this. And not just the emotion of feeling done, because I've done that a thousand times, but then you begin to take steps to actually put in place healthier patterns. Oh yeah, I was on my knees begging God, you know, just let my son be okay, let me be a good mother, let this all just be behind me, I can, you know. And it was, to me, my son was God's grace. It was, you know, it doesn't sound, it wouldn't be advice I'd give anybody, but, <laughs> but at that time, it, looking back, it was, I don't know where my life would have gone if my life, if these events didn't happen in my life at that particular time. Yeah, I, I referenced it last week in the message. Some folks may have been here to hear that, others maybe not, but it it's, reminds me of the, the place that Joseph was when his brothers come back, they've, abandoned him, abused him, neglected him, sold him into slavery. And now years later, they have a reunion. And he looked at them and says, all this stuff that you meant for evil, God means for good. Yeah. And so all this stuff in your life, and there, there's a lot more that we could say 
but God was orchestrating and working through the quarry, yep. through the birth of this son who, you know, nobody wants to be an 11th grade pregnant and married. No. It's not a choice most no. people and, make. Well, and nobody thought our marriage would last. It, well, it I wonder was, why they thought that. Yeah, so. it was like a joke, you know. Yeah. This is just this is just waiting Don't for a disaster. Go, ah, I do. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, Corey, I don't want to put you on the spot, but um, as you're, I'm going to a little bit, um, but as you're, as you're watching this unfold, um, do you remember those days? Uh, was, it, was it dark for you as well? Uh, which day? Which days? The, the, the days like back around the birth of your son and just watching this woman that you committed your life to now kind of go through this emotional thing. Was that hard? Uh, yeah, well... Yeah, it was. I mean, we were young, and uh, I, uh, you know, I respected her for, uh, you know, standing up for, you know, herself, and uh, and you've heard her father's story, but uh, also she made a commitment to, to quit a lot of things that, you know, she had done in, yeah. done so in the past, you know, because because of the child, yeah. because of, uh, you know, you're grown up now. I mean, you gotta grow up fast. You gotta grow up, yes. Yeah. No matter what you've done up to this point, <laughs> it's, time to, it's time to grow. Yeah. So you guys are walking through this together somewhat, right, Avis? Oh, yeah. So what happens now? Yeah, um, so, so our child's born and, you know, we live happily ever after, right? <laughs> um, yeah, once you came to Four Corners, then everything got perfect. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to that in a minute. Go ahead. So um, life starts happening, you know, and, um, and uh, my dad quit drinking, but the next generation of drinkers started, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that happens, doesn't it? We yeah. We have this tendency to bring forward, no matter what we say, we have this tendency to bring forward some of that goofiness of our birth families. And I had made the decision to keep my children away from that. Yeah. So it was very hard because... Most of the people that I knew were drank a lot or did drugs or things like this. So I was uh, very lonely at that time, um, always praying for a friend. Dear Lord, just bring me a friend. And again, looking back, it was like I had a friend there all along. It was, you know, I just think it was funny because he didn't bring me a friend. I was, you know, the friends that I did find, again, I, I tried to click with the moms and that was you know let's do mom's night out and that was let's party well that didn't go well for me and I had to figure out that too but mm-hmm. in that time too my sister who's much old a uh, few years older than me she was trying to connect with her and she was very independent too and um, she her drinking started to get a little out of control and I had to deal with her and it was a very love-hate relationship of me trying to help her but keeping her a distance from my family so that she wouldn't hurt them in my mind because that's what came with that and uh, just back and forth and uh, and then Corey he started having some difficulties with drinking also and I had to deal with with a lot of that and trying to just keep everything in order it's amazing how often in, in my life I hear it in your story I hear it in many we draw this boundary, and then that's the very boundary that seems to get, a, get attacked. Yeah, and that's what it seemed to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is going on around you, but internally you had some physical things happening. Yeah, well. at that time also I found out I had, I was told I had MS. So, you know, everything was taking a toll on me. I, I got to the point where the left side of my body is like numb. 
So I got to where I couldn't walk and I needed a cane and everything was just, in my mind, falling apart, my whole life was. So where, where was God in all this? What were you thinking God about was, God at this point? I was, again, back to pleading with God and trying to understand, God, what is going on? Why, 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 why? you know, you had a sermon a couple weeks ago. Why, why me, why, you know? I'm trying to do it all right, why? So um, it's funny how he worked. Uh, our, one of our sons joined a youth group and going to that youth group, um, he, want, he came back to me and said, why don't we go to church anymore? Because he remembered going when we, he was a kid, we would take them when they, they were little. And, um, and I said, well, you know, it just got difficult and uh, things happened and we just stopped going, I'll leave it at that. And so he's like, well, I would like to go. Would you mind if I went to church? And I said, well, no, I don't mind if you go to church, but if you're going, I'm going. So there I am, back at church again. Yeah. You know, and I just, it was just crazy how God got me back there. In the midst of my husband's problem, my sister's problem, being told I have health problems, here's my son who just steps forward and says, I'd like to go to church. Real quick, it's interesting because uh, you may not know this, but uh, both of you serve in our student ministries. I yes. Mean, it's just interesting that you're giving back in the very area that God used to bring life you know, I think sometimes uh, folks that serve in church don't understand the impact, not just of what you're making, like, say, in a given Sunday when you're checking in kids or changing a dirty diaper or something, but the potential impact on that family is huge. Nobody knows what a smile, a, a warm handshake, cup of coffee, uh, kids saying, I had good, nobody knows the full impact that that can make, but it wouldn't be a stretch to say that in a large part, some of your full redemption of your story happened because there was a church that connected with your son's heart. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah, and, and the same for me back in the youth group days. There was that, that youth group, um, it changed my heart. So why was I gonna deny my son that? And then to watch it change my son and, and then he invited his brother to go along and he's going along and it's just, I'm just sitting back in awe going, okay, you're, you're there and you are working on things. I'm gonna trust you with this. Well, in going back to church, I then thought, well, I need to know more about God. I just, you know, I've been doing this little dance with him and I need to know more about him. So I joined a book study and it was um, The Jesus I Never Knew. By Philip Yancey. Yes, great book, read it. A great author. <laughs> So we get to the part where it says, uh, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that brought me to my knees because I realized in that moment that God was there all that time. I had f felt forgotten through my teens, didn't understand why he left me behind, but what I realized is he never did. He was there the whole time, crying every tear with me, watching me go through all the things that I was going through lifting me up when I needed to be lifted up to, so I could carry on and just on and on. And the thing that just, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I realized he took on all my sin and he felt all my pain in that very moment. How could I just not let that change me? So it did, and I could not stop reading. The, I started reading my one-year Bible, 
read it every day, just wanting to know more and more about God. And any book study that came up, oh, I was the first to sign up. I want to know more about God. I want to know more about God. I want to know about, more about Jesus. And it was just a relief. It was so refreshing. I, and can I, can I pause it for a second? Yeah. So, so I, want, I, I want to beg this issue for a second. She said, I'm going to go learn some stuff. I bet you had no idea when you made that no. decision the impact it would have. No. So, so here's what happens. When we open ourselves up to God and we say, God, I'm here. I'm going to do it. We don't have to know where it's going to go. We don't have to have it all figured out. We make ourselves available. And then the God who's always there becomes more known to us. And it begins to change things. Um, and I, I don't, I, I don't want to go for dramatic effect here, but there, we have folks in, in this room who I think are just a step or two away from major breakthrough with God. And for some of them, it really, it really will be like learning more stuff. Mm -hmm. The information opens the door. For others, it'll be connecting with a handful of people generally going in the same direction. For some, it will be that stuff I've been doing, it's over. I'm gonna change patterns and do it differently. Yes. This made all the difference for you. You became completely consumed yes. with the God who was always present, but you never yeah. knew it. Yeah. And I can remember praying too, God, just don't let me become like those other Christians, okay? In what way? What do you mean by that? I just felt that they were kind of stuffy and would, and, and with my story, I thought they're going to judge me and, and all of that. So it was kind of, I just don't want to get there. I don't know why you thought Christians would judge you. <laughs> Not either. Yeah. I hadn't really had any bad experiences with yeah. them, so that is funny that I thought that, but some I did. It, some of it is internal fear, but some of it is that you know Christians in general have taken these values and principles that they love so much and are helpful, and and talked about them in ways that hurt people. Mm -hmm. and so, so that that's a real challenge. Now, and I thought they wouldn't like me when they knew all about me. Yeah. So that was, and I, but I didn't want to change any of that because I knew that what got me to that point was my relationship with Jesus, and I don't know that I could change it, yeah. looking back so while, on it. It's interesting, I hear so many people who've gone through tough stuff say the same thing, that while they would never have really chosen that path, to some degree they're grateful for mm -hmm. what that path did to them. Yeah. Um, now in the middle of this, your sister, um, my sister, her journey with alcohol and her journey on life goes through some challenges, right? Yeah, some big challenges. So about the same time, you guys kind of cleaned up about the same time. She, um, her life fell apart. She lost her job. She became homeless. She just was consumed in alcohol. She could not get out of the bottle. And, uh, and she was self-medicating pain. Yeah. That she had experienced growing up in the same house that yep. brought you pain. And then the choices that she had made After through her life. adult life right. just got her to a breaking point. Right. And, um, so I had to figure out how to get her through um, rehab and then into a halfway house, like a homeless shelter. And then uh, she lived in Florida and I lived up here and we were trying to figure out how to do things long distance. So I did all that and I had her reading books. I got her a one year Bible. I got her, um, oh, what was that, More Than a Carpenter. And that was a book that made a big difference in her life. That was Josh McDowell. Yeah. Jesus being more than just a man, and he yeah. kind of explains why it's somewhat logical and at least reasonable to believe in Jesus. Yeah, and it made a big turnaround for her life. So she now started seeing that Jesus, and she took Jesus on as her savior. And everything is going good, she gets cleaned up, and everything's going 
great for my sister. You know, things are looking good. And uh, she comes up here and lives and everything, and, and she does all right. Well, seven years into her sobriety, she, I don't know what happened really. She, she, I don't know if she was trying to help somebody else or she was trying to fit in or what she was doing, but she started drinking again. And um, in that process, it took her life. She was, I'd say from the time she started drinking again, she died a year later. Yeah. Well, that really drilled, drilled down something very important to you. I mean, this, this intersection of alcohol abuse and your life, um, it just keeps crisscrossing. Yeah. So that brings us to this moment and something that you and I have been chatting about for a while. Um, and, and, and before we kind of let, you know, where we're going with this, um, I, want, I want to tell you something about, about the testing in your life. God uses the testing in your life to build a testimony. God uses the testing in your life to build a testimony. And he wants you to do what he prayed for Simon Peter. When Satan's done sifting and you've made it through, go back and strengthen your brothers. And so you have what in the ministry we like to call a burden. Yes. A burden. But it's a real positive word, isn't it? Yeah. But it gets on you. It is. It's it on me. Ter- it is and, terrible. But it energizes and motivates we don't have a so what here, like what we're going to do with this burden, but I wanted you to share your burden with our congregation. All right. So, like, after my sister died, I had this moment. You know, I'm the one who sat with her. I was holding her hand when she passed away. So I'm, I go out to the car, and I'm praying to God, and I'm asking him to forgive me because I failed my sister. And um, just going on and on. It seemed like forever. And so I finally decide, well, I'm going to... I gotta, I've got to move on. And I turn on the radio, and the song comes on, East to West, by Casting Crowns. And it just took me again to my knees because it's a song about God forgiving you. And he reminded me, hey, I forgave you already. You're doing just fine. So just like East is from West, you can keep going East, but you'll never start going West as long as you're going East. You go West, you'll never meet the East if you go West. That's how far God removes our sins from us. Yes. And that's what he's done for me. And again, it's a moment where I think, how awesome are you, Lord, that you care enough about me that you allowed to be with my sister in the end. And you've reminded me that I've done all that I could probably, but I, I, need to, I feel I need to do more. I feel I need to, I don't know. She just, she just, broke my heart and now my heart just seems to stay broken with the idea that there's people out there hurting. There's people out there that don't realize that they can have peace in in the Lord. You know, Jesus saves us. He, you know, he walks beside us. He gives us the Holy Spirit to come live with inside of us. I mean, that in itself is just amazing. I mean, it just, I can't not tell people about Jesus, you know? I do. Um, it we, just... we, we call that, we call that um, the burden. Here's another way to say it. Um, it's a holy unrest. You know, typically we avoid unrest. We avoid burdens. But in, in many people's lives, maybe we you're cold. there. Um, in fact, you're going to see it in the life of our church throughout its breadth and width. There is this burden people have to, to they say it a lot of ways, to give back, to make a difference, to help people understand what a relationship with Jesus. It's not that they're fixers. 
but we feel this compulsion to say, God wants for you something. And uh, we want the greatest things for the people around us. We want them to know that vibrant connection to Heavenly Father who has never left them. You felt lonely, but you discovered him there all along. Not only was he there, but he had felt every pain you felt when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You had felt that way. Mm-hmm. So you had this connection. And you want that for other people. Yeah. Um, unpack this burden just a little bit more. for us. Well, I just, it's a, it's just a feeling that I just, I don't know. I just keep getting called by God. Every time I do a study now, it's God telling me to step out of my faith. Tell your story. There's somebody out there that can, that can be healed, that can be invited into a, a relationship with him. I just, I just feel as if I need to, to go out and, and say more. I also realized with everything that I went through with my husband, my sister, my MS, I realized that I can't save anybody. <laughs> I failed, and I, that was my, part of my big lesson with my sister is, no, you couldn't save her, but the Lord did. She's now in a better place. She was saved, but I can't save anybody. Yeah. Only Jesus can. So the only thing I can do for anybody is invite them to have a relationship with him and get to know him, because once you get to know him, man, there's nothing like it. So um, I wanted you to hear uh, a big part of their story, in part because if I've ever been in a church that can live in the tension of the testing, the challenges, the ugliness becomes a testimony, um, it's this church. And I wanted Avis and Corey to experience um, what it was to be in a community of grace where they could tell their story honestly. And rather than thinking less of them, we're proud for them. We're, we're happy for them. But I also wanted you to see what um, I think is the birth of a ministry. Um, and we don't know where this is going. We don't have a so what. But as I've chatted with Avis, the thing that excites me is, is I know this about God. I've seen it. I've experienced it. God is going to take this urgency, this burden, this holy unrest she has. And I think over the next 6, 12 months, we're going to see Avis step out in faith. And God's going to use her in dramatic ways. I don't know how public that will be. I don't know if that's going to be a private one-on-one thing. I don't think we're launching a new program at our church. That's not what we're talking about at all. But I wanted you to have a front row seat to watch what happens when somebody says, my testing is now a testimony. And I'm going to use it to bring glory to God and help other people. So what I wanted to do with all of you is invite you to do um, with me, what I want to do for her, which is pray for her. Um, God has often given me a front row seat to watch what happens on the front end of people kind of launching out and really discovering their destiny, their purpose, and it becomes literally the legacy of their life. I don't want to overstate, I think we're right there. And here's the good news God's going to use you powerfully. The challenge is going to be. All the stuff you went through, you thought that was difficult. I know. You now have an onslaught, a spiritual attack. But the very God who was faithful then, he will be faithful now. And I believe you're going to see fruit that honors God and fills you up in a way that nothing else in life has ever done. So can I pray with you? I'm going to come stand by you. Put my hand on your shoulder. Okay.
Would you guys pray with me? Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're the God who doesn't forget. You're the God who never leaves us alone. You're the God that redeems every dark place. You're the God who builds testimony. God, I thank you for Corey and Avis, for sending them to our church, for the way they've plugged in and been faithful and at every level have given, given, given of themselves to this place. And now, Father, I ask that you would bless their faithfulness, that you would anoint them as a couple, that you'd begin to open doors of opportunity for them, that you'd begin to shut doors for them, and you would direct their path on a level they've never experienced before. And you would give them great favor with people. You would give them great favor with information and tools to assist. That God, the steps that they take would bring glory to you and would benefit this congregation, this larger community, their family. God, I pray for what your word calls the Holy Spirit's anointing in their life. Energize them. Beyond their own strength, bring them great power to do ministry in serving other people. God, however you want to use this story to impact this church, we say yes to it. And we will be faithful to vet, to consider, to plan how you want to use them in our church. We commit this entire future and this holy burden to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Would you guys sit right here with me? Would you guys like to say thank okay. you as we get ready to close up and then share this story? Right here on the side screens, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Here's a word I want to give a couple of you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Here's what it says. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. You ever felt that way? <laughs> our inner self is being renewed day by day. This is what I'm praying for you as we come to the end of our Hope series. No matter what you're going through, you feel like it's incredibly difficult. You feel like you're wasting away. I'm praying that you come to know the God who loves you on a level that's very, very difficult to ever fully plumb the depths of that. You come to know him deeply and intimately. That you'll do your part in learning knowledge to grow in understanding of your faith. That you'll take a study. You'll read God's word. You'll join a small group. Let me encourage you, don't waste all your free time joining connecting groups when what you need for your soul is to go learn some information about Jesus. Connecting groups are great, but if you need to learn some stuff about Jesus, don't waste all your free time just having fun. Go learn about him. Study him. Sit at his feet. Discover how powerful he is. Some of you men need to get up early on Friday mornings and go study the book of Ephesians, sitting at at Bob Evans' restaurant, eating some great food with some great guys and learning about Jesus, and it will open a door for you. And this feeling of your outer self west, wasting away will give way to being renewed day by day by God. Because the truth is, if God's going to use your testimony, or your, your testing to build your testimony. So, right now, as they exit the stage, would you grab uh, your Connect card and let's take a few next steps together. Next step A around here is always is accepting Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior. If you want to acknowledge that you're a sinner before God, that's just agreeing with God's word says about you. And you want to open up your heart and say, God, I want you to be the leader. Forgive my sin. Be the leader of my life. Check next step A and put your card in the offering bucket when it comes by at the end of our service. 
Or how about next step B, which is get baptized. If you haven't yet gone public with your faith, you can check next step B and get baptized. There's also a little bit of information about that in your small groups catalog. Or here's next step C for us, which is simply sign up for a small group. Make the time. Make the time to connect with God and the people of God in a way that's going to benefit your soul and help fill your heart. All right, how about next step D? Anybody want to memorize with me this week 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16? So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. And by memorizing that, just have a way of reminding yourself that God is at work. And you can look for him. And he, you'll find him there. All right? Or how about next step B? Praying this prayer every morning this week. God, use this testing to build in me a testimony that will bring you glory and is going to strengthen other people. God, use this testing to build in me a testimony that will bring you glory, will make you shine, and will help other people. Let's pray about these things right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for Avis and Corey's story. God, thank you for what you're going to do. We don't even know it all. But God, not just for them, for every single person in this room, the stories of our lives, the testing, that is the testimony you want to build. Now, Father, I pray for the people in this room that are declaring they want you to be their Savior and their Lord. They're saying, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Wash my sin away. I want you to lead my life. God, I pray for the folks in this room that have doubted that you're there, that have felt alone, that were afraid of the judgment of other people, that they would find today an open door to the God who loves them, accepts them, embraces them, and calls them. God, I pray for all of us that we wouldn't just be about ourselves, that we would do what you asked Peter to do, we would find our strength in you, and we would go strengthen others. I pray all this in the name of Jesus, the strong and holy Son of God. Amen. Amen. Amen.